comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The PKD Black Box is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. This is the PKD Black Box, episode 47. This episode of the PKD Black Box is brought to you by Back in the Day, the original graphic novel from indie comic book mavericks Dave DeWanch and Daniel Logan. Back in the Day is a heartfelt and hilarious sci-fi romp that redefines the coming-of-age tale and asks the question, what would you do for love? Signed, numbered, and limited to 500 copies, this 64-page graphic novel is 20% off at dcbservice.com and includes a free limited edition print signed by Back in the Day artist Daniel Logan. Order your copy today at dcbservice.com. You can also go to actionlabcomics.com for additional details. Welcome back to the PKD Black Box. This week's episode, we have a special conversation with actress, creator, and producer Jessica Mills of the comedy web series Awkward Embraces. If you want to know a little bit of what Awkward Embraces is about, you can go to www.awkwardembraces.com to learn more and check out their episodes. It was a solid interview, uh, one of our best to date. I really hope you enjoy it as we continue to celebrate women in pop culture and geek culture here at the PKD Black Box. And if you have any comments, criticism, or praise on this episode or previous PKD Black Box episodes, you can email us at blackbox at pkdmedia.com. Once again, that's blackbox at pkdmedia.com. And now, our feature presentation. I'm on the line with the creator and lead actress of the web series Awkward Embraces. If you're not sure what Awkward Embraces is about or if you've never seen Awkward Embraces before, it is a web series, a quite funny web series that you can find at www.awkwardembraces.com. After watching uh, season one of Awkward Embraces, I was, <laughs> you know, I enjoyed it so much. I said, you know what, if we're going to do um, have a month dedicated to the ladies, we have to have uh, Jessica Mills, crea- <laughs> creator and lead actress of Awkward Embraces on the show. So, uh, Jessica, thank you for being a part of the show. Thank you. I'm, I'm excited to be here. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Now, for those that uh, don't know about Awkward Embraces, can you give a, uh, a brief synopsis of the show? Yeah, absolutely. It's basically the dating misadventures of a geeky girl and uh, her two best friends. They're not geeky at all, uh, but they do their best to try and help her out. And they just get into one awkward situation after another. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, uh, many. Uh, There were were a lot of moments where I'm sitting there watching the show, watching this, watching the show. And I'm like, that's happened to me. Um, that's kind of happened to me, you know, just like, you know, from, from like a male perspective and, and then yeah. just sometimes we're like, I have to like watch with like one eye open or like cover, cover my, cover my eyes for a second. I'm like, no, this is really uncomfortable for me right now. I, I, you know, but it's, it's very funny, very well paced. I really enjoyed what I've watched, um, for season one. So, um, oh no, no, you're welcome. Kudos. Uh, y- y'all put in a lot of hard work. Now, my first question for you is... Where did the, where did this all all begin? Because you know I'm, I'm sure that there was you had a starting point somewhere where you wanted to get into acting, 
and mm-hmm. whatnot. Where did you get your start in acting and what was the decision for basically creating, producing and writing Awkward Embraces? As far as the acting goes, um, I've wanted to be an actress as long as I can remember. The first time I was, I even knew what it was, I was like five years old and, and I think the third graders were doing a play and I was like, what is going on over there? <laughs> and I was fascinated with it from that moment on. Um, and then uh, I guess, I can't remember exactly when I moved. Well, I moved to L.A. I lived in New York for a little while and did theater. And then I moved to L.A. and I spent about a year just trying to do the acting thing. And I just got really frustrated. It's it's an incredibly difficult thing to, to break into here in this town. And, and I was like, you know what? This is not fun. This is not fun for me. Like, I'm no one is seeing what I'm capable of. So I'm just going to go do it myself. So I wrote a feature film with a friend of mine, um, which would be very expensive to make. <laughs> we were looking at it, we were like, oh, good, a script. It's going to cost a lot of money. And so I thought, well, let's do a web series then. So um, I wrote the Donut episode, which is episode number four first. Uh, and it was going to be just a little short film that we put up online. But Adam came on board, the my director and editor, and he loved it so much and we all had so much fun he was like when are we going to do more so i was like well let me go write some (laughs) and that was it one thing i've noticed about the about the show itself you have um you know three characters you have jessica who you could kind of say when you watch the episodes is sometimes the queen of overreaction Uh, (laughs) and and you know and 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 we all like if if you've watched the show for those that, that are listening to the podcast Jessica has this thing of where she doesn't want to be rejected first. (laughs) And she's also good for having tangents that really lead to nowhere. (laughs) And she has a difficulty for handling basically any type of situation. (laughs) And and you also have Candace, who is uh, Jessica's, you know, really close friend. That's just that that friend that's just always there to help. And sometimes a little bit too much. (laughs) And then you have Lindsay, who is basically a straight shooter and is also very comfortable comfortable with herself, very, very comfortable with herself and is just, you know, quick to, you know, say what's on her mind and has no problems talking about sexuality <laughs> as well. So it makes for, a, you know, a very interesting, like, cast when you watch the show. How long did it take to build that chemistry uh, for the series? Uh, well, Candace and Lindsay and I all went to college together, actually, years ago. So, I they're very they're incredibly funny. So of course I wrote the first script with them in mind, and I I know the day that we shot it, it was very awkward at first because we were filming the part where I'm telling them the story, and they're supposed to be we're supposed to be having this back and forth, and the first few takes it was incredibly awkward, and then I was sitting in a chair like across from them or something, and I was like, you know, what? I'm just gonna get on on the couch with them, and and I was like, maybe we should improv a little, and they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then we just start going back and forth and improving, and then it was like then the magic happened because those girls are so funny, and and they say way funnier things than I write. Uh, and that was pretty much it. Like we, we pretty much found our groove then. When things like Donut Girl or the comparison between a redwood tree trunk and a vagina <laughs> are, are, are mentioned, and when you can get like a dude to blush or like laugh out loud for, for something like that, you're doing something right. So, you know, so kudos, definitely. That, yeah, that Redwoods line was completely improv from her, from Lindsay. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> 
I will actually cut to uh, some questions because I have some more questions for you, but I will cut to some questions because they kind of coincide with what we're talking about right now. Um, okay. One of our listeners and one of our listeners and a fellow fan of the show and good friend of mine, Daryl Taylor, had some questions for you. Thanks, Daryl. His first question is, in what ways are, are you similar and different from your character that you write on the show? I'm equally as nerdy as she is. That's for sure. I'm extremely nerdy. Uh, I'm also, I really am fairly awkward and like, I'm a lot better at covering my awkwardness than she is. I can go and pretend not to be awkward, but I really actually feel as awkward as she looks all the time. (laughs) So that's very similar. And I'm, I'm kind of clueless about dating too. I don't really do that well either. So you know. No, no, no. I know. It, it took me a very, very long time to really get the whole dating thing down. <laughs> and as far as like not covering up your geekiness, but like balancing it out, you know, it's like my <laughs> one of my, my good friends, my, my, my friend, uh, Chris, uh, he always used to tell me, he said, balance your geekness, balance your sexy. If you can balance both of those out, you're going to be fine. But he's like, if you let one overpower the other, you're done. Wow. And I'm like, well, that, that sounds real smooth coming from you because you're doing all right in life. He was like, yeah, I know. But he's like, I'm just trying to pass this along to you. I was like, dude, you just can't tell me a statement. I need a book. <laughs> all right. I, I need a book. He's just like, it will just come to you on your own. And it was like or probably like around the time I was like 25 or 26. It's just one of those things. I'm just sitting there just chilling, you know, read, you know, reading some comic books or whatever. <laughs> and, um, you know, about to go on a date. And it just kind of like hit me. And I'm like, oh, OK. And the only reason why I say that is because when you, the episode where uh, your character goes on the date with Kevin mm-hmm. and they're having, you know, conversation and Jessica is trying to, you know, really understand and comprehend where Kevin's coming from <laughs> and and decides to use an episode of Star Trek, The Next Generation, as a way to relate. And then, you know, we're sitting at the table and he's telling me about his work and I'm just kind of boring, but I don't know, he's cute. So the product comes from the engineers and we have interesting yeah it's not easy though so I got to deal with the head engineer because I'm the head of the marketing team so I talk to him and he gives me the details about each individual product and how it's gonna work and I take that information back to my team and we figure out the best way to sell it Oh, interesting yeah but this guy though the head engineer it's, it's like it's like he speaks another language like he's such a geek <laughs> <laughs> like he, he really doesn't know how to talk about these products in layman's terms. I know a little bit about computers, but like some of the things that he says, it's like when he's talking, it's just, ah, it's like. It's, it's <laughs> actually, it's totally like Darmok. Please tell me you didn't. What? I thought we discussed not bringing up Star Trek on a first date. I was talking about Star Trek TNG. Oh, okay. Whatever, you're not listening. Star Trek is a deal breaker. What? But it worked with the other guy. Oh, the IT guy? The, the grown man who wore a fanny pack? Think about that for a minute. Fanny pack. What's, uh, what's Darmok? Oh, it's my favorite episode of Star Trek TNG. <clears throat> okay, Captain Picard and this um, alien captain, they get stranded on, uh, on a planet by themselves. And it's like they kind of speak the same language because the words are the same, but the stuff the alien guy is saying doesn't make any sense. He keeps saying Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra. And Picard is like, what? Because <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> make any sense. So, um, 
So then, you know, Picard starts to learn, like, and he figures out that Darmok and Jalada Tanagra is this story that they tell um, about these two enemies or whatever that fought a monster and came to a common understanding because the alien language is in metaphors, right? They speak in metaphors. So then Picard and the alien captain, they fight this monster and they learn to understand each other and it's really cool. Um, but then it's sad because the alien captain dies. It's really, really sad. And then Picard, oh, Picard, I always get choked up in this part because Picard has to go up and like tell the aliens that their captain is dead and he tells it to them in their own language. Oh, it's such a good scene. And then the, the alien, the new alien captain tells them that the his people will forever tell the story of Picard and Dathon at El Adrel. Oh, it's so good. As soon as Jessica opened her mouth about that, I'm like, oh no. <laughs> because like I know I, you know, I know the character's really, really trying to make that connection. And yeah. I'm like, I've been there and I, I know I've done that. And this was probably like, you know, I was like 21 or 22. And I'm just like, no, just stop. Just stop. <laughs> and things just kind of like got all quiet. And I'm like, oh, this is just so awkward right now. This is so <laughs> awkward. And, and you know, and I can still do that sometimes. Like with my wife, I have a tendency to do that sometimes. Like I'll take things too far. But she'll be nice enough to say, honey, I you know, I really, I, I love you. But I really don't want to hear that, you know. Or <laughs> we were watching um, Anchorman on a we were watching anchorman one night there was like you know a couple scenes going on and i and i just we were just laughing and i said you know the movie that you're watching right now is not the original cut i said the original cut was actually a completely different film and the studio didn't like it so they went back and started from scratch and i was like and then this is what you have right here and she was like you know that's nice and everything but i really don't like when you when you give me commentary can't we just watch the movie sometimes <laughs> and i'm like I'm sorry. She's like, I know you just get excited because, you, you know, you don't have anybody else to tell this right now, but it's okay. But you got to balance it out. I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay. But, That's um, cute. But no, also that episode that you were talking about of Star Trek, The Next Generation, uh, it was called, um, oh, what was it called again? I have it here. Oh, Darmok? Yes, Darmok. Yeah. As soon as you said that, I remember, I just automatically recall Paul Winfield, the actor that was the alien with um, Patrick Stewart on that planet. And I remember watching that episode and, and like I so saw, I was just like, yep, I know exactly what you're talking about. But I'm like, this is not the place or the time to do it. <laughs> it's just not. But, um, but, you know, like my friend Teresa calls it dropping the geek bomb. Like we've all been there, you know, where you you just get excited and you you reference something geeky and you realize nobody else you're talking to knows what you're talking about. And it's like that awkward, I still do it. Mm -hmm. I did it at work the other day. <laughs> it's like, you just can't help yourself sometimes. Oh yeah. Like sometimes like I, even I have to be careful with some of the geek bombs I drop because it all depends on, on the company that I'm in. Yeah. You know, like I, mean, I have like friends that I've known for, you know, that I've known for like decades. And like, if I say something that relates to Ghostbusters or Star Wars, they'll get it. But like, if I go to like, say for instance, stuff like Titan Maximum, Robot Chicken and things like that, they're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And I'm just like, never mind, never mind. It take too long <laughs> to explain. And then the funnest, and then the funny is taken out of context. So totally. Let me get back to Daryl's questions. Daryl's second question is, who are some of your inspirations growing up that got you into acting and writing? Uh, well, my mom is a writer, so I learned everything about writing 
I know from her for sure. She was a novelist when I was growing up and now she's a political activist and a blogger. Uh, she's brilliant. As far as acting goes, uh, Robin Wright has always been my just absolute, I mean, of course uh, I saw the princess bride like 8 million times in a row when I was a kid, but I would see her in other things. And she's one of those actresses that like, she can just disappear into a role and you don't even recognize her. And she's not like, Robin Wright, the big, huge star. She's an actress. Like, she'll go do so many different kinds of roles and just completely disappear into it. And I, I love that. I, I, I have so much respect for her. Um, Angelica Houston as well. I, I love, she's amazing. <laughs> uh, they're, they're my two sort of inspirations as far as just, just acting goes. I remember as a kid being picked on all the time because I love The Princess Bride. Aww. <laughs> you know, because like, you know, because, you know, boys aren't supposed to like movies like that. And I was just like, this movie is cool. It's got swashbuckling. It's got Andre the Giant. Totally. How, how, how can I how can I not love this movie? This movie is great. <laughs> oh, I used to get picked on so, so much for, for, for liking that movie. I think what happened was, was that this is like, you know, during the day, during the days of HBO. And we like if you had like a TV in your room, you had like a VCR or something. Mm -hmm. I would like record movies on HBO. So I'd have them all on tape. And sometimes I would take the tapes with me to, to go to friends' houses to, like, you know, watch movies or whatever. And one time I left a tape, and it had, like, Major League, Princess Bride, and, like, Return of the Jedi on it. So we finished watching Major League, and then it cut straight to the Princess Bride. All my friends started laughing at me. And I'm like, what's wrong with this movie? This movie is cool. They're like, it's not cool. It's for girls, man. What's wrong with you, man? Oh, I think that went on for like three weeks. Kids will like just damage people. can damage your psyche to the soul. Daryl's third question in regards to the Awkward Embraces series. And he wants to know what episode are you most proud of so far? That's hard to say. You know... The one I'm most proud of is always the one that that we're working on right now. You know what I mean? Like right now we're in we're in post production for the first five episodes of season two, and it's like when you're an indie producer, everything you accomplish is huge because it's so difficult. You know to find the funding and find this and find that. So like. So right now I'm just so proud and thrilled that we got into, we even have a season two and that we have five episodes that we're, we're editing right now. And, and I'm, I'm excited for those. And so, you know, then a few months from now, hopefully I'll be excited for the last five episodes of season two, you know? So yeah, it's always, I'm the most proud of, of everything that moves us forward because it's, it's kind of, it's a struggle to keep going when you don't have any money. <laughs> Definitely. I recall seeing a while back that you did a fundraiser on a site called Indiegogo.com. And Indiegogo, which is a little bit different than, uh, say, for instance, Kickstarter. Can you can you explain to people the process that um, that you took to get this fundraiser Indiegogo going and 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 the results, the result of that? Indiegogo is great. I went with that instead of Kickstarter because on Kickstarter, if you don't reach your goal, you don't get anything. And I, w I was pretty sure we weren't going to reach our goal, but I wanted something. I wanted to at least, like if we only shot one episode for season two, I at least wanted to do that. So I went with Indiegogo and um, they're a great company. I really, I really liked it. Um, as far as setting up the... Um, I talked to a lot of other people I knew that had done Indiegogo campaigns and got advice from them, like, you know, how did you, you know, how did you do it? What was your process? And then you, you come up with the little VIP perks and you do your little write-up and, 
and then you release it out into the world and then every it was a month the one we did was a month and every day it was like post repost email post repost email beg 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 you know just like, <laughs> like please please and we did well i mean we the goal was um i think the goal was 5000 and we raised 3150 which after all the fees and stuff ended up being about $2500 which was huge you know and uh since we we basically shot season one on pizza money so (laughs) so it was great we're actually gonna go ahead and roll out another indiegogo campaign for the last episodes of season two um our fan base has has grown so much since the last time we did one i'm I'm hoping we can we can raise more money and and get season two finished up i one thing i'm starting to notice now more than ever and we've talked about it on on this show a number of times the way people consume media nowadays it's not Mm -hmm. we're no longer slaves to the television absolutely and the way we consume a television show a web series which i'm almost to the point now where i feel a lot of web series depending on production quality um Mm -hmm. you can really say that they're tv series right and so um it's you know it's it's a really big deal and and it's just the way we do all this now, it's completely changed the game because like as far as television goes with like their their ratings and so dependent on ratings, people don't watch programs immediately when they come on. And Same. they need they the convenience that like say for instance your series and like all these other web series that have like, you know, taken over the internet, I th- you know, really helps to constantly bring people back. And um, you know, and get people to to, to um, dang it, I keep losing track, see. My, my, my inner geek is killing me right now. <laughs> With all the web series that are coming out right now and the attention and the, like the rays, I guess you can call it the rays of independent television, where do you see, like, say, for instance, series like yours and other web series, where do you see, like, the future of, um, of web television? I really, <clears throat> I do strongly feel that um, it's all going to be the same thing eventually. Um, you're going to watch TV from a, a streaming television and it's all going to be online. Um, I think the most important difference that we're looking at that's going to develop um, here in the next few years is the fact that people aren't watching commercials anymore. They're Netflixing DVDs after the fact, they're DVRing, they're TiVoing. So I think a huge thing is that's going to happen with web television specifically, oh sorry, my phone just beeped, um, with web television specifically is that advertisers are going to go there for uh, the to start developing what's called branded entertainment, you know, where it's, it's a, a web series that's built around Subaru so that you know, but then the the challenge is going to be because they're starting to do that a little bit now, but it's really rough and it, it's very like, ooh, this Subway sandwich tastes good and it's so lame, you know. So I think the challenge is going to be creating really interesting story and characters that people really want to see and then building it around a brand. And that's how advertising is going to happen, I, I truly feel, because um, the commercials as they are. I think they're gonna. I think they have to be on their way out because people just don't watch them anymore. <laughs> One thing I've also noticed is that um, with you know with with y'all using Indiegogo, I also think that not only are commercials going to be pretty much non-existent, but depending on like say for instance the size of the crew that you have that makes this that makes you know series such as Awkward Embraces, and depending on your budget, if it comes to a point where people that watch the show 
like say for instance like either donate or say for instance if a company like sets up like a payment plan saying that if you pay this you'll receive this at you know at the at season's end or you know or have like a season package per se um mm-hmm. something that's a you know something that's affordable and something that won't put out a viewer i think that that would be something that may possibly happen in the future as well i know that some studios have tried things similar to that as far as like on the um on the music side or way back when before iTunes just basically took things over because they they started they started off the right way mm-hmm. whereas um you know music studios and, and things like that had awful awful paywall systems very uh, stringent or stiff uh formats the media wasn't portable you couldn't you know put it on other devices and it was just really bad the and the quality was poor whereas nowadays you know you know the qual you know the quality on the on these shows are great um, on, on a lot of these series are great. Um, and the the accessibility is so much better. I just see like web television. This is like the the, the continual new era of media where it takes us, it kind of takes us back to like way back in the day, like where you had entertainers that also had real jobs, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then when things actually blow up the spot, then they can make that transition. And that becomes the full-time job. Like, cause like way back in, and as my, um, my younger brother likes to call the olden times um you know you had professional you had professional athletes that at the end of the season you know worked worked in factories you had a lot of entertainers that not only were actors and actresses and whatnot but they may have served in the military they may have worked in a factory they may have worked in a department store it's was so dual fold and and i see that happening more now because people are hustling to try to make their dreams come true and they realize that not only you just can't make a web series and say, okay, here comes the money. You know, you have to maintain a job too. <laughs> yes. And I apologize if I break off on tangents. Sometimes I'm known to do that. So if I do that, please just stop me. I do that plenty too. It's totally fine. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. I'm glad to know that I'm not, a, I'm, that I'm not alone on that. So. Watching every episode is so crisp, it's so clear, the sound is solid, uh, compared to like a lot of other web series that I've watched in the past. Now, as far as equipment goes, do y'all use like, uh, say for instance, like a Canon, like mm-hmm. a Canon digital SLR with um, with video yep. recording capabilities? Yep, that's exactly it. Um, we shot season one on, <clears throat> we had just one 5D up until about episode seven, and then we shot um, the last half of the season on uh, with a two camera setup, Canon 5D and a Canon 70. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now we're shooting season two with two Canon 70. Okay, cool. Um, which camera do you prefer better, the 5D or the 70? I didn't go to film school, so I don't really know anything about any of the technical stuff. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it looks pretty, Adam. And he says, yes, it does. And I'm like, great, good job. And that's about it. Like, Adam is my, <clears throat> he's my man as far as he does all the editing, all the mixing. Um, all, he, you know, shoots and everything. We have a, we had a great crew for season two, actually, and an awesome DP. Um, and But Adam's still directed and he's editing right now. So I kind of, I'm learning slowly. I'm kind of starting to, <clears throat> I'm trying to observe everything on set and watch what's going on and pick up. But sometimes it's kind of like they're, it's totally Darmok sometimes but between me on one side and then Adam and our DP PJ on the other. I'm like, are they speaking English right now? I don't even like, <laughs> so 
It's a it's a very steep learning curve for me, but I'm I'm catching up slowly. Oh no, that's cool. Like I've been curious as far as like when people produce these shows and put them together, like what type of equipment's used and, mm-hmm. and things like that. So that's just like one of those inner geek things. You're trying to make that understanding, so so no, that's cool. I, I got very lucky when I found Adam for sure. He's he's brilliant. So I'm very I'm so happy I was able to be like go make it happen and make it look pretty. And he was like, cool. (laughs) (laughs) We've talked a bit about production. We've talked about Indiegogo, reasons for creating this series. Oh, now I remember what I wanted to talk to you about too. I had uh, read across the internets that you um, will be a part of the Independent TV Awards. Is this true? Uh, well, maybe, hopefully. Okay. Uh, I'm Tonight, I'm going to the launch party for the Independent Television Festival. Um, and, of course, I'll be submitting <clears throat> Awkward Embraces for it this year. Uh, and hopefully, we'll get in and, and I'll be a huge part of it. But I don't. I won't know that yet. Oh. I, a friend of mine is, is having me go. I'm, I get nervous at networking things. And I was going to not go. And she was like, you have to go. You really have to go. And I was like, okay. So uh, my friend Stephanie is going to hold my hand and we're going to go um, to the ITV Fest launch party tonight. <laughs> I, I've noticed that um, because like not only do I do this podcast thing, I also um, do the comic book thing and we make comics and graphic novels and whatnot. And so I have to hit the convention circuit at times. Mm-hmm. And I remember first starting that, like I, I like talking to people, but sometimes I have those moments where I just like, to like just like shy away from all that especially in big crowds but mm-hmm. it takes it takes it definitely takes a while to truly get used to doing that and then, but once you start it's not a problem but it's always just getting getting started and just like shaking that first hand and then once you're on that roll it's not it's not an issue but no I know how you feel about that inner nervousness sometimes because my biggest thing is that like I'll panic before anything even happens sometimes or if I even, <laughs> before I even talk to somebody and like I'm like I'm calm I'm cool I'm calm I'm cool then that person will be right in my face and then like my brain explodes into panic and like I just like envision this office inside of my head with like all these like clones of Sean in the office throwing papers and <laughs> and burning computers and throwing stuff out the window and I got to calm myself back down and then I just say hey how you doing and and then things and then things end up working out for the best. So you will be fine. <laughs> Thank you. Now, do you know if this is the first independent TV festival or is this something that's been going on for a while? Uh, it has been going on for a while. They have one in New- both New York and L.A. And uh, they've been doing it for a few years now. I want to say five feet, but that might be too much. But like three, four or five years, something like that. They've been they've been having the the. New York Independent Television Festival and the LA Independent Television Festival every year. Today's episode is also brought to you in part by Geek Syndicate Year One. Join Dave and Barry as they hunt werewolves, kidnap Santa Claus, and seek vengeance on schoolyard bullies in the pages of Geek Syndicate Year One, the first collection of the Geek Syndicate webcomic by Harold Jennett. All proceeds go towards Heifer International. Heifer's mission is to work with communities to end hunger and poverty and care for the earth. By giving gifts of livestock and training, Heifer International empowers them to turn lives of hunger and poverty into self-reliance and hope. Geek Syndicate Year One is available to order at dcbservice.com for only $3. And now, back to the show. You are a big Star Trek fan, I take it. Yes. Okay. 
Alrighty, I have uh, seen some people across like forum boards and and internets and Twitter and, and stuff like that ask you about Riker versus Solo. And because like if you're a big Star Trek fan, I understand um, all about Riker. And I don't know where this Riker versus Solo question came from, but um, I I need to ask. I guess in a battle between Riker versus Solo, who do you think wins? Oh man. You know, I got to say Han Solo because, like, he'll go for the dirty trick, you know? <laughs> <laughs> most, most definitely. <laughs> M- most definitely. And not only that, but, like, okay, look, Riker was my homeboy when I watched Star Trek The Next Generation, especially yeah. when, like, when he got, like, the gruff beard with, like, the goatee action going on, the totally. full beard. The show really came together, I think, around uh, Riker's beard. It, it did. It did. <laughs> because, like, when he had, like, the baby face, he looked all thin. I'm like... And the show was all weird and not very good at that point. And then he got the beard and all of a sudden the show was fantastic. (laughs) Exactly. He got the beard. He kind of got like a little thick. He was like, all right, I'm ready to scrap. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) I'm cool with that. Because see, like, you know, Picard's a little dude. And like, you can't have like another little skinny dude, you know, next to another little dude and expect like the Enterprise (laughs) to be the shit. I'm sorry. I, you know, I'm like, I can't co-sign on this. You know, I I, totally I don't believe it, but when he got when he got that gruff beard, I'm like, okay, it's action hero time. I'm like, I can deal with this. <laughs> totally. Um, I was really big into Star Trek: The Next Generation uh, growing up. I remember I always made excuses for like the first season and a half um, because yeah, the production values weren't the best. Right. It wasn't very well written either. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I hate to say the first season. Yeah. No, and I, and I agree, and I agree, and I, you know, and I wasn't really a fan of Tasha Yar, but then they got rid of Tasha Yar, so I was like, okay, this is this is getting kind of better. But then they brought her back later in a in a different way, which was kind of cool. That was a great episode. Yes, it was. And then it made me say, I wish they would never got rid of her in the first place. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, why didn't y'all do that in the beginning? And I'd have been cool with it. Exactly. You know, but um. I'm so glad they got picked up for a second season, though, because they just made magic after that. Like, it's just such an incredible show. And I always tell people, like, please just suffer through season one because you will love it after that. I promise. Oh, and it's, it's the truth, though. It's the truth. Yeah. But see, that was the great thing back then about syndicated television. Mm-hmm. Um, syndicated television saved shows like Star Trek Next Generation. If if uh, if STTNG was on a network, that would probably would have been done by season one. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. But yeah, it's just it's amazing all the things that spun off from uh, from the next gen from next generation. Because I was a big fan of Deep Space Nine, mm-hmm. and because Avery Brooks is is my homeboy, he's like one of my favorite actors ever. Oh no, he's just a great actor. I love him. <laughs> and and um, I just remember watching the first episode of DS Nine, and you know Benjamin Sisko's like just internal hatred for Picard because when Picard was a Locutus, and um, basically was responsible for killing um picard i mean not picard's but uh cisco's wife mm-hmm. and like you know and then just that internal anger just like stayed with them for the longest time and like the tension between the two of them you know when they were doing their thing on screen was just awesome to me yeah but um my feelings were hurt the way that um ds9 was basically um how it ended that i didn't like you know i think i'm gonna do <clears throat> i'm for the listeners that don't know i'm doing a, a- TNG rewatch. Uh, I took like a four-year hiatus from it, so it would be fresh. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching from disc one all the way through the very end right now. And I really want to jump right to DS9 after because it was so long ago that it was on, and I lost track of it because I got I got busy. I was in college and everything, you know, during the last season. So there's so much of what happened there that I don't even know. So I'm I'm excited to because I remember I loved it in the beginning. 
so I'm excited to go back and rewatch it and see if I if I like it as much as I did when it was first on and, and see what what happens. Like I missed so much the, the last the whole last section of DS9. I just remember like the first the first the first couple seasons were cool. Then it had like this like this little dead dead point for a while where it wasn't that good. But then like they just said, you know what? Screw it. We're just gonna like open up all the floodgates and do all these cool things like the Dominion. And then they brought Worf on. And then the Jim Hadar. And they just did all this crazy stuff. And and the, and the ratings still weren't great. I'm like, how are people not watching this? <laughs> if you watch this the uh, the season the uh, series finale for DS9. Like I was, I just remember being upset at how it ended because it pretty much just said, you know what, we're not going to really incorporate these cats into any movies or anything, and so let's just shut it down. It was a good series finale, mm-hmm. but the but, but how it ended just really just irked me. So um, because Benjamin Sisko is my homeboy, as far as the movies go, because we've never we've never talked about any of the movies on on our podcast before, and we're. And as far as the films themselves go, because First Contact to me is awesome. Yeah. The two after that, Insurrection and... Nemesis. Uh, yes. Yeah. I really try. I, I, I watched those not that long ago. I... Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? My mama told me, I can't say nothing nice. Don't say nothing at all. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I keep... I, I have the desire to rewatch them, kind of, but every time I sit down to do it, I'm like, ugh, do you really want to go there? And I don't. <laughs> oh. A Nemesis was on not too long ago, and I said, you know what? When I watched it at the movie theater, I said, you know what? Maybe I was, maybe I had, I was just in a bad mood, and I just wasn't feeling it that day. So let me just watch it right now. And I started watching it, and the first thing I noticed about Nemesis was that the Enterprise, the um, the set for the Enterprise, the, the bridge, it looked like they were in an apartment. It was so small. <laughs> I'm like, you know, the bridge, the bridge is never ever small. Yeah. You know, even in the original Trek series, the bridge was, you know, wasn't the biggest thing in the world, but it still looked big. See, now I'm getting my geek on right now, see. <laughs> see, I'm not I'm not controlling it right now. I'm just letting it all out. But the bridge in Nemesis was so small. It's like the camera didn't even have to like move left or right. It's just like just leave it right in the center. We're good. And mm-hmm. everything it just it was like a over it was like a highly produced television episode. Because you're a Star Trek fan, you know about Ensign Rowe. Uh-huh. Now, <laughs> I've heard that you have a strong dislike for the character Ensign Rowe. And, I, and <laughs> I just out of curiosity, I need to know why. Okay. So, now, before I say anything, I will say I have not gotten to her episodes in my rewatch. <clears throat> so, I she just irritates me. She's just, like, angry and... Like, I just, there was, I felt when I was younger and watching it, that there was just a lack of depth there. Like, I just, I was just like, you're always pissed off. I I don't really see, you know, you're always causing problems. Like, she just irritated me. And it wasn't like, oh, she's angry and complex and I find her interesting because that is interesting. She just annoyed me. Um, (laughs) So, but to be fair, I have not gotten to her episodes in my rewatch. So it's possible that now... You know, when I rewatch those episodes, I'll say, oh, wow, she's so interesting and complicated. I had no idea. 
I mean, I actually really liked Pulaski on the rewatch, and I used to hate Pulaski. Mm. But when I rewatched the second season with Pulaski in it, I was like, oh, she's kind of a cool character. So I'm thinking maybe that might happen uh, with Ensign Roe. I will keep everyone updated. <laughs> everyone wants to know if my Roe hate will continue. So we'll see. It, it, it may continue because, like, I've seen a couple of those episodes with Ensign Roe, not, you know, a couple of months back. And that internal anger, look, I understand sometimes why people are angry. I, I, I mean, I get that. Trust me. I understand. But I, I, I wish you well when you watch those episodes. But if the if the hatred comes out, I will understand why. I'll be tweeting about it. <laughs> so you'll all see it if you're following me on Twitter because I tweet my rewatch. And everyone wants to know what I think of Ensign Rowe. I guess my, my hatred of her has become a little infamous now. So <laughs> I'll let you guys know. Yeah, yes. Right now, Michelle Forbes may be um, uh, listening in on, on this recording somewhere it's like you know what i got two other people on my list right now when i see these people they're going to hear it from me uh, miss Forbes, miss mrs forbes and miss forbes we do not hate you no so no we get a nothing but love for you but ensign rose trifling so that's all we're gonna say about that we're gonna leave it there. <laughs> Over the years, mainstream America has accepted geek as chic. It's, it's very in right now, especially with shows like uh, The Big Bang Theory and things like that. With with me, in my opinion, with, being, with Big Bang Theory, yes, it touches geek culture, but it takes things to an extreme. Yeah. I was just wondering how you feel about Hollywood and their way of presenting geek and pop culture type characters uh, to the screen. Well, you know, I, I still think there's a problem. I was I was discussing this with some of my geek girlfriends just the other day that um, there's still this idea that girls aren't geek consumers um, in the mainstream. You know, like Comic Con and geeks and all that stuff. It is very mainstream, but it's still very like they're still aiming pretty much towards the male audience. So geek girls were kind of like, "Hi, we're here too. Like we love this stuff too." and you know, there's still sort of this, they had a Geek Girls Exist panel at SDCC last year, and I, I hope they bring it back again, because it's kind of that, you know, it, that's kind of where I where I think of these things, because it's kind of mainstream for guys to be geeky, but actual geeky girls is still, there's girls who play geeks on TV, but there's not a lot of actual real geek role models, you know. And I also look at it from, like, say, for instance, from a consumer standpoint, Mm -hmm. What I've noticed is, perfect example is toys. There's still that stereotype of boys like action figures and girls like dolls. Mm-hmm. Now, as you know, us in the black aisle. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And it's one of those things where, where like I know from not only working retail long, long time ago, but now I notice it even more when certain things come, when certain toy lines come out or... Um, or you know, certain movies come out with their own toy lines. Female action figures are completely just disregarded, disregarded altogether. With the like, with the exception of like Star Trek. When the Star Trek reboot, reboot happened, there was an um, an Uhura, and I cannot believe I said that around the first try. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> um, but um, perfect example is Tron Legacy. I was at a Toys or local Toys R Us uh, right after Christmas, and there was a little girl, and her parents took her to see Tron Legacy, I guess, and. She went running down the aisle and found, you know, Tron toys, and she was, you know, screaming to her mom and dad to come here and look. And she started looking for a um, the character. I think his name is Quora, as played by Olivia Wilde. And she wanted that action figure so bad. 
And so she's screaming to her parents to come here and help her look, help her look. And they keep looking and they can't find one. And then the child looks at the back of the box and doesn't see that figure on list of figures. Uh, and, she, and she was heartbroken. And the same thing happened uh, a while back. Uh, Cartoon Network used to have a series called Secret Saturdays where they, they gave an action figure to every character but the female lead. Really? Yeah. Mm. And, and like, you know, and, seeing the, and to me, that's like an issue because you don't have that problem with Star Wars because Lucas is like, look, I want all your money. I don't care who it is, but, <laughs> you know, just just give me the just give me the money. I'm good. You know, you want Leia? I give you Princess Leia. You want uh, what's what's her name? Uh, oh, Mon Mothma. You want Mon Mothma? Come on, get Mon Mothma. <laughs> you know, I don't care. Just give, give me the money. I remember when uh, when the Power Rangers came out. Um, everybody was like, that's so stupid. Like, why are they such a huge deal? And it's because there were girl Power Rangers and boy Power Rangers. So you're automatically doubling your consumption when you do that. So the Power Rangers were huge because, you know, they little girls could buy things and watch the shows and buy costumes and dress up and little boys could too. I don't understand why they haven't quite caught on to that fact yet. You know, consumer wise, it, it's smart to include more <laughs> people. <laughs> oh, yeah, because the more people you include, the bigger fan base you have, and that's and that's like from a business standpoint, that's more money in your, you know your company's pocket. Yeah, and it's just that they, you know you just have to they they just have to realize that that women and men are are completely well rounded. You know, I, I I get very irritated when people try and fit me into a slot, which is a, a huge part of why I started doing my own thing in Hollywood. <laughs> and um, you know, and so I, I hate that like idea that girls aren't really into geeky things, or you know, they're not really they don't really game or this or that. It's just ridiculousness. <laughs> oh, <laughs> extreme, extreme ridiculousness. Now, as far as gaming goes, are there any games that you're into right now that you're digging or that you enjoy? I wish I could be a gamer, but I'm so super busy. Plus, I have a problem. I get addicted to like the old school games like Super Mario and stuff. I will play those for hours, but I don't. And I have a when you give me the, the first person shooters. When I'm supposed, there's like people behind me and in front of me and to the side of me and I have to like lift up the gun and turn my head and walk and there's like a, a trigger and a button and a joystick, like I can't deal with it. I can't, it's so <laughs> confusing and I can't keep it all straight. So, so yeah, if you set me down in front of some like Sonic the Hedgehog or Contra, I'm going to go nuts uh, for hours and hours and hours and hours. But you, uh, you did not just say Contra. I did say Contra. Oh, you, you've got me so hyped right now. <laughs> oh, that was my game. Now, did you ever play Super Contra? I think I might have played it a few times, but uh, the old Contra was ours, was our big passion. Yeah, so I remember the days of like having that, and for the NES, having that code embedded into your brain with the controller to have like the uh, 99 lives or something like that. Um, up, down, up, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, select, start. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go oh I, I remember the days playing that oh, yeah boy. you do that that is that is ingrained i think it's ingrained in everyone's memory forever that up down up down left right left right ba select start like because we all just did it so much and i love the fact that on the wii you can get those old games i was playing contra uh, with my friend steven just the other day 
um, we were shooting actually, and <laughs> we were shooting, he and I playing a video game and he had Contra. So we're actually playing Contra while we're shooting. It was so much fun. <laughs> and I love that. I have like Super Mario 3 on my Wii and I have like old school Super Mario and like, I love it. I love it. It's so awesome. That is awesome. Uh, old school NES gaming. Boy, I, I remember those days of, of just like having that box, having that gray and off gray box. And that puppy would overheat. Yeah. We did not care. We would blow into the cartridges. We did not care. We if would, you blow in it, it would work. I don't know why, but it would. <laughs> oh, they, they knew what they were doing when they, when they made that thing. They got everybody hooked on that. I remember those days where we would just go home after school, play Mario, play Contra, and I would always try to convince my friends to play Excite Bike. Yes. And no one would play. I'm like, I want to build a track. No. I know. <laughs> You know, I want. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. When I was a kid, I didn't want to actually play Excite Bike. I just wanted to build the track. So I would try and build the most impossible track I could for my brother, and then he would play it. So that that worked out really nicely. <laughs> yes. And I would I would be one with the with the quickness to overheat my my uh, my uh, Excite Bike engine every time. Over, <laughs> overheat, then they pull me to the side, and I'm waiting. I'm like, all right, well, I've already missed the time requirement. We're done. Reset. <laughs> But see, I was bad. I was so bad for like playing the games that everybody hated, and mm. and a lot of the games did suck. Like Wrecking Crew. Um, I played that one. Be be glad. Be glad. It, <laughs> it, it's it's like a bad version of Mario, but it deals with like construction. It, it it's bad. But as a kid, I thought it was all construction. That's awesome. <laughs> it, it's not awesome. You know, it's not. It, it's, it's, it's bad. And, I, and I'm sure if you, like, do a Google search or Wikipedia, I want to say it's called Wrecking Crew. Yeah, just just leave it be. You'll be better off for it in the long run. I played a lot of bad Nintendo games. Okay, well, besides, like, the NES and Star Trek, um, what other things in, like, geek culture and pop culture do you enjoy? Doctor Who. I love him. I love it. <laughs> I'm crazy obsessed with Doctor Who. Um, and of course, like, of course, Josh Whedon, like the whole Josh Whedon verse, Buffy, Firefly, the whole thing. I even watched Dollhouse all the way to the end. <laughs> <laughs> God, I mean, I have this joke that if it's got um, spaceships and or magic in it, I'm, I'm totally on board. I read fantasy novels. I love Jim Butcher, huge fan of the Dresden Files and, and his uh, uh, Codex Alera was amazing. I loved comic books when I was a kid, but I have fallen out of it because I, I can't afford to buy them. They're kind of expensive. Mm -hmm. So just last night, some friends of mine were like, we'll loan you books. And I'm so excited because I have Fables and I have the first three Last Man series and I cannot wait to, to get into those. I do love comic books. I'm just not an avid reader of them because it's hard to find people who will loan them out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're expensive. Yes. So... I'm pretty much your, your all-around geek girl, though I, I specialize in Star Trek, Doctor Who, and dragons. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, who is your favorite doctor? Oh, see, all right. I, David Tennant, the David Tennant, the Tenth Doctor and Donna are my favorite combination so far. Um, Matt Smith, the latest doctor, I like him very much. I think he's doing a good job. Do I love him more than the Tenth Doctor? I'm not sure. The jury's still out, so we'll see what happens with this next season. Um, but I really, the 10th and 11th Doctors, I really, really love okay. so far. Oh, so. cool. I enjoy the new Doctor Who, you know, for what it's worth. I really enjoy it. I think it's a great time. But, like, I'm, like, the old school kid. 
because I've watched all the, the well, not all of them, because some of them are um, will never be found again because the BBC erased the tapes. But uh, like the original, like the originals, like uh, John Pertwee and Tom Baker. I love watching those episodes. And yes, the production quality is poor. It is so poor, but I love it so much. I really want to check those out for sure. I haven't seen them yet, but I, I've heard great things about them. Um, the Tom Baker episodes are really solid because Tom Baker is just like, he's awesome. And, you know, and I know the word awesome is overused in, in the, <laughs> you know, in the American lexicon, but he's great. And the John Pertwee episodes, he was before Tom Baker. The Pertwee episodes are really good. And I think, and if, if, um, tongue tied again, they just kept his character on earth for a majority of the time, but you know, he's got all these cool gadgets, like these cool cars, and like he wears these, I don't want, you know, they're pretty much pimp outfits, and <laughs> you know, and he's, it's just real cool, they're just really enjoyable episodes to watch, so if you ever get a chance, um, check them out, I'd rec- definitely recommend Tom the Tom Baker episodes first, like watching um, like Star Trek, Insurrection, or Nemesis, the Doctor Who episodes are better than, than those movies, but just, apo- I apologize right now for the production quality. Okay. Okay. Thank you. That's good to know. Cool. You have said that uh, season two is underway. Well, the first half of season two is underway. Um, Yes. Are there any any like uh, things that you can kind of tell, you know, any hints or clues as to what's going to happen in, in season two? Um, Jessica is lonely and pathetic again. Uh, and Candace and Lindsay make it their life's mission to find her her perfect man. But they don't know anything about geek culture at all. So they just they just mess it up <laughs> over and over and over again. Um and we have some cool guest stars for season two. Tyler Maine is going to be in an episode, which is awesome. He's in one of the episodes we've already shot. Uh, and I have some cool people um, lined up for the second half. Uh, but I, I don't want to say who they are until we actually have them in the can. So I'm going to wait for that. But. Oh, no, no, that's absolutely fine. Um, that's cool. <laughs> well, you, you got Sabretooth on the show. We have Sabretooth on the show. He, he's lovely. He's, he's such a, his wife is one of my closest friends and, and he's a really, really nice guy. And he does, uh, you guys are going to see Tyler Maine. Like you have never, I swear, like you've never seen him before. You're going to love it. <laughs> I cannot wait. <laughs> that is great. Oh, that is so cool. Um, <laughs> something else that your, uh, that your show does, uh, that Aquan Embraces does that I've, I haven't really seen from other web series. Um, you have a uh, like a video blog where right. um, not yeah. only do you do like behind the scenes stuff, but you also share awkward dating stories. Yes. Uh, can you tell the people a little bit about that? Oh, my God. It's so much fun. Uh, <laughs> I love doing it. Uh, yeah, we have fans send in their awkward dating stories and then the cast will get together. Um, I do uh, the way we did the first ones was um, me and two of the guys from season one do a few and then me and the girls from season one do a few and we just read them out loud and, and comment on them and it's so fun. It's just it's just like when you tell the awkward story to your friends at the party and they're like, what? I can't believe that happened. Like, it's exactly the same thing and I love doing them. So please, please submit stories to us because I want to shoot some more and it's it's kind of hard to get people to submit stories, but they're a lot of fun. 
So if you have an awkward dating story, please send it in and, and we'll do a vlog. Plus, on the second round of vlogs, it's totally anonymous. I changed all the names and places the first round, and I decided that it's silly to change them to actual real names and places. So um, for the second round of vlogs, everybody's going to get a sci-fi name and planet. So <laughs> if you get excited by that, then you should definitely send one in because you could be from uh, Raxagorcophallopatorius, maybe. I don't know. See, you just took it there. <laughs> 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 let's see here i guess before we close out the interview i guess my next question for you would be where do you see awkward embraces uh down the road and in the future where, where do you see this going i would love for us to get some kind of sponsorship you know a real budget i i'm dying to do a musical episode dying to do a musical episode but um <laughs> You know, while we're struggling to get cash and everything, uh, it's a little difficult. So I really, I, I would love for us to be the next guild, quite honestly. Um, if we could do that, I would be I would be over the moon. That would be great. Very nice. Very nice. And, and, and who knows, it could happen. Y'all have been hustling hard on this series. And, um, and like I said before, I enjoy it. And I implore all those that have never um, watched Awkward Embraces to go to awkwardembraces.com and check it out. It's real funny. Um, I actually had uh, one of my friends uh, text message me after he watched the series, and he said, "He said it was Cougar Town for geeks, but better." <gasps> nice. That's <laughs> awesome. Thank you. <laughs> so, so yeah. So no, you de y'all definitely have a lot going for you um, as far as Aquan Braces goes, and you, Jessica, you definitely have a lot going for you. So, um, you know, I I can't say uh, I, I can't say thanks enough one for being on the show, but also thank you for bringing Aquan Braces to the people and continued best to you thank you thank you so much for having me i had a great time oh no you're welcome oh and and where can people reach you like on the twitters or on the facebooks or on the internets okay um on twitter i am at geeky jessica um if you don't mind someone who tweets a lot about tng and doctor who please follow me <laughs> <laughs> awkward embraces is at awkward embraces uh and then of course if you go to facebook.com slash awkward embraces that's our fan page uh, but if you just go to the website awkwardembraces.com, it's got links to my twitter candace's twitter um links to the facebook to the youtube channel all that stuff is all on our website wonderful well, we have been talking with the incredible Jessica Mills, and uh, thank you again for being on the show and continued best to you. Thank you, and to you, Sue, and to, to, to you, too. <laughs> now I got tongue-tied. Oh, no, it happens to me all the time. <laughs> and that concludes this week's PKD Black Box. The PKD Black Box is a proud member of the HHWLOD Podcast Network and is available at hhwlod.com and is also available via iTunes, and you can still go to pkdmedia.com to get our podcast, check out our forum, and read comics like Mercury and the Murd, Agents of Cult, and Luke Foster's The Gang from the Store for free. If you're on iTunes or our forum board, feel free to leave us a comment, or you can email us at blackbox at pkdmedia.com. Thanks again for listening. Until then, dream big and hustle hard.